A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us tonight here on Church of the Corn. You've got myself and joined by Drake. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good, man. It uh, feels good to get back on track here and uh, get the group back together, or at least at least two of us. Uh, scheduling's been tough lately, but it feels good to uh, get back on the right track and hopefully get this thing going again. Yeah, a lot to talk about tonight, so let's just... Let's just jump into it because yeah. there, there's a ton going on with guys coming in and out from the portal. You know, you got guys that are committed and flip last second. I, I shouldn't even say last second because technically I believe they have until next week or so to really uh, decide if they're going to commit or not. Um, yeah. But we let's, let's start with, with Rouse. Fitz, how are you doing tonight, man? He doesn't have his headphones set up yet, so we're going to wait on that. Let's <laughs> let's start talking about Rouse. So, yeah, um, we all kind of know the situation with it. With you have a a forty a, a thirty nine game starter at Stanford, played in forty games. Uh, I believe he's a second team All Pac twelve player, rumored to three schools: Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Iowa. So those are the big three. Um, you know, as of last week, uh, before. Iowa had another tackle commit. It was between supposedly between Nebraska and Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then once that player committed, it flipped to between Nebraska, Oklahoma committed to Nebraska, 
and 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 I've I you know I spent some time looking at some of his quotes and, and stuff today. It was just really interesting the the flip out of the blue from Nebraska to Oklahoma. I mean, it's nothing that you see coming this late in the recruiting cycle usually. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what one thing that I want to get off get out in front of right now is, in my opinion, this has nothing to do with Coach Raiola. Uh, I've seen some takes about about that. You know, Nebraska's one for three on offensive linemen in the portal. Blah 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 blah. It has nothing to do with Raiola. Um, Let's let's just get that out of the way. Real real quick, can I just read a quote off that? Yes, yeah, please. Since, since you mentioned that, and this is uh, directly from the the player that transferred. Coach Raiola is a genuine person who can get me to the next level where I need to be. So to me, it ain't on Raiola this one. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, let's call it what it is. Oklahoma threw a bag at this kid, a bigger bag than we were willing to throw. In I terms think Nebraska of was at six hundred thousand, if I read correctly. I, I've yeah. seen some numbers, but we'll say it was a little bit over half a million. Yeah, and you know, you might you as an offensive lineman in the NFL, you collect, you command a lot more money. But people running these NIL collectives that are based around college sports, they're not they're not there yet. They don't necessarily understand the need to protect the quarterback's blindside or this or that. Um, They want to pay the people that are going to draw the most hype to whatever business that you're signing a deal with. So it's going to take time, you know, for Nebraska to get to the point where, where we can throw out that money out of our collective to offensive linemen, which I think is a big reason why rule in this staff has said, Hey, you know, we know NIL is a part of it, but we really just want guys who want to be here for us. So I, I got a question for you with that, because you it brought up a really good point with you didn't say bidding war, but I feel like college football is getting into a bidding war. Do you mm-hmm. feel like uh, with, with what happened, it being such a quick flip that Nebraska just said, we're not going to get into this bidding war with you. You know what? We gave you our NIL package. We showed you how we can make you successful. We showed you the entire coaching staff. We've shown you everything that we can. We, we've offered you this dollar yeah. amount. If you're not happy with that, that's fine. You know, please see yourself elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I, Fitz, I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, it, it, the timing of it makes you believe that once he said, I'm committed, right, and we know that he was in the student directory for Iowa, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, he had to be uh, and registered waiting for the start of classes. The moment he said, I commit to Nebraska, what did Oklahoma do? They upped that money. They just said, whatever that NAI deal was, we can beat it by 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever. And so he was, I mean, he played, I don't want to say long con, but he played the game. Um, good for good for him if that's, that's what he got. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I think there were some people that were really surprised that he took it or like not took it from Oklahoma, but he actually committed here first. So it was like a big win. And then four days after that, as you guys have mentioned, you know, he flips that commitment and, and goes down to Oklahoma. So um, it, it's interesting because they're not signing anything. They don't have anything binding until they essentially classes start for Nebraska on uh, January 23rd. They've got this, um, this uh, little bit J semester that's accelerated. And once that 23rd hits, he would have been locked in. 
And so we kind of know where that is. So he had, what do you have about 10, 12 days to, to sit on that decision? And now we know where he's at. Yeah. So, I mean, theoretically he could flip again, potentially. And, and <laughs> he, I mean, he really could. So what, so one thing I wanted to bring up, so that this, this decision is not on the Nebraska coaching staff. And this is a, a great, piece of reporting by Husker Extra. I was reading this early. It said, when Rouse got to Nebraska, it resonated that Nebraska coaches took him through a presentation breaking down his strengths and weaknesses. Position coach Donovan Royal went over the top in quotations, Rouse said, supporting what he had heard about the 40-year-old former NFL assistant from mutual acquaintances. The coaches said, we have all the answers to the test. Now we just need to apply them, Rouse said. Coach Jen, and that's that's when the uh, uh, other statement from him came out. So to me, I mean, there, there's no other way that you could spin this but a bigger NIL package. I, I think we're all clear on that at this point, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I, I can potentially think of, and I don't I don't think this is the case, but there is also the potential that, you know, Oklahoma in the early recruiting process was saying, hey, for whatever reason, we don't know that you'll be a starter or this or that. Um, I haven't been following Oklahoma's roster enough. Maybe they had a couple of guys enter the portal themselves recently, or they missed out on somebody else in the portal. Like there, there's always the possibility that their circumstance changed for where he's going to be on the roster too. Well, and he has, he has a, a labrum issue that he's either recovering from, whether it's PT on it, if he, I don't know if he had surgery. We, I know he was going to be out this spring, um, so you, you know, going Drake, what you just talked about, that's kind of what I was thinking too, that maybe Oklahoma got a little bit more information. So maybe Oklahoma warmed up to him just a little bit more in those, in those last days, but you put, you put everything together. Um, something had to have clicked and I'm, and it wasn't just the Lord and, and his savior that did it for him, but something had to click that said, you know what, Oklahoma, that's, that's where I, I need to, I need to go. I don't know. And you know what? I'm th- playing the Twitter games a, a dangerous game, obviously, but I'm I'm gonna go here with this. Um there was an account out there that tweeted, you know what? Good luck, we didn't want you anyways. And it was liked by a couple of players. Um, so I don't know if maybe his meeting with, with the players didn't go well. I I don't know. Um, and I'm not gonna put those players on blast for one. Um but who knows? Maybe personalities just didn't mesh within the locker room in his quick meetings. I, I don't know. What what I do know is, is if it came down to strictly NIL, Rule and Raiola are more than happy with, with the outcome because they have all said, we want guys who want to be here. And they don't want to start a precedent. I mean, and good. It's, go, let's go back a year. Good for O'Shawn Mathis to get what he got and mm-hmm. come to come to Nebraska. I just don't think we're going to see that as frequently. I think we're going to maybe see some good, some good money and some good NIL packages for these players, but I think it's going to be a little bit, maybe more earned. Um, now. Well, yeah, am, you look at I'm the talking, company I'm, that's losing out on Dakota Crawford leaving now, right? Yeah. I'm talking out of this side and here I'm right away, but now you've got a Riola as a quarterback and you're not going to tell me that they're not going to have, some things in place, you know, that, that might entice him down the line too. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting world. Um, Who knows where that's going to be in six months, nine months, 12 months in terms of 
you know, Congress and the NCAA and, and on and on. But um, no, it's, I, I do I do appreciate the fact that they said, and you've said it too. We want guys that want to be here because they're looking for the they're they're looking for almost like a two year commitment minimum. Let's let's see what we can do. See, give us a chance. We're going to give you a chance. Um, which for me that really ties into and I knew you were talking about that one and I'll kind of let you drive this a little bit. But you know, think about what um, uh, uh, running backs coach said Bethel, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, EJ Barthel. Barthel, sorry, excuse me. We don't even need to recruit running backs. I don't want to recruit running backs. I like who I have here, and they want to be here. So, and it goes right, it just goes back to what you guys were saying. Coach the guys that are here. Coach guys that want to be here. You're probably going to get maybe more out of them anyway because they're playing for something maybe a little bit more than just that that bottom line. So, Here's the other thing to keep in mind. I mean, I know a lot of people are freaking out about missing out on Rouse, and rightfully so because the guy's a player, right? There is going to be another very large wave of transfers after spring ball. And what honestly, we're probably going to lose more than we get in that second wave. Because we we're de- we're gonna be over <laughs> the scholarship limit. Yeah. So um, but I mean guys from TCU and Georgia just now are entering the portal this week. Like those guys are still up for grabs. Like, let's all take a step back, take a deep breath. And understand that there's a lot more than just Walter Rouse out there for us to fix some of our problems. Hey, Zach, how do you see? So, what he's, what Zach was, or I'm sorry, what Drake was talking about with that, the next wave of, of players, how do you see this breaking down, kind of looking forward as far as evaluation periods? Um, what do you think the staff, in terms of, um, windows of time or when they're going to, you know, look stuff like that. How do you kind of see this moving forward? Is there, is there three main times? Do you think it's four? Is it more? Um, just, you know, think transfers, think recruiting, you know, guys coming and going. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, you still, I mean, this, this window, I believe for Nebraska is still open until the 23rd. I think it is. That's when semester starts. So technically the 22nd, I believe they have uh, athletes still have until, until next Wednesday or Wednesday coming up, I forget which, to enter the portal. Yep, so there's still, right. yep, so still a lot of time for, for movement. Um, I, I mean, we're going to see a lot of attrition, but I think I've, I've been very steady in the rooms I think it's going to be in. I think it's going to be in the defensive back room, your quarterback room, your running back room, and your wide receiver room. Um, yeah, is anybody else surprised that Chubba Purdy's still not in the portal? No, honestly. He's, he's hurt, so he might have to – he might have to – he might have to – it's almost that NFL free agency piece. He's going to have to probably play a little bit this spring, practice, play, and then almost – I've got to put some – I've got to get some more film out there, um, and then he'll decide. And that's kind of how I see it, which kind of goes to what Zach was talking about too with the uh, those those windows of time that, you know, we have until – so players until this Wednesday, and then you've got an, another bit of time, and then you can – you get into that spring practice, and it's going to be – that's going to be so fluid. There's going to be guys moving around crazy. Hey, I want to flip to one one thing here, and we don't have to hit on this very long, but this week both Camonte Grimes and DeColdis Crawford land at new schools. A couple of weeks ago there was rumors about them trying – about potentially withdrawing their names from the portal. I, I believe – they weren't allowed back after they entered the portal. 
What are your guys' thoughts? He did say, and I, Zach, you mentioned this couple, it feels like six months ago, but it was about you know three or four weeks ago before the holidays. But I thought you mentioned something about rule. I don't know if it was an oppressor or just a, 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 a whatever it was that he said, if, if guys, that he's going to have to have those conversations, right? That he might have to tell a player, nope, I think for you, you need to move on. Um, is that accurate? Am I remembering uh, that correctly? It sounds familiar. Um, I, I Dion think it, definitely said it. Oh yeah, Dion <laughs> threw everybody out. I mean, but I'm I'm not. I gotta say, I'm not mad at the way Dion handled it. Uh, I'm not either. I the best thing that's come out of Dion's tenure at Colorado is the quote: "To change the culture, we have to change the people." I completely agree with that. Yeah, I and, almost wish that this staff would throw more guys out, and nothing against them, but we have a culture of losing for seven years. You know. I think that culture of losing honestly started with the change up top with, mm-hmm. um, with, with, you know, Trev being brought in now, granted the, the, ba- the basketball team for men and football team for men has also just not, not been successful even under Trev's watch, but a lot of changes have been made. I mean, if you think about the administrative department for that football program, it's completely different. They've cleaned house top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got rid of the head nutritionist too. So, so that's what um, I'm saying. They, they brought in, so they now have an executive administrator. Um, she came out of essentially running what was the NSAA in Texas. So imagine, you know, we have, you know, up to what D4, D3 schools in Nebraska. You know, they've got their five classes and played their high school championship games in, in Jerry World. So she was essentially running that. Um, he brought, he's brought in um, a guy who was running his own um, recruiting service, uh, was doing in some of the lists. The lists were down, but you could see, I guess somebody had mentioned, you could see the, like the logo still of where these players were going, and it was pretty impressive. Um, just looking at what Rule is doing in terms of, and it goes, it goes right back to the collection of staff that Trev put together, that entire football window excuse me, that entire football room, you know, just the building, the administration, everything together is, is different, which kind of was leading me to think um, men's basketball, men's football. You guys both acknowledge the fact that it's, you know, seven years basketball longer. It's just been down. It hasn't been, you know, that steady. And we, things are getting cleaned up a little bit. Do you think at some point in time they got beyond the scope of what was maybe reasonable and they just tried to grow too big too fast. Did we lose? I mean, it's. I think it's easy to say, well, we lost our way. You know, now there's somebody that's you know running, run the damn ball. Now we're getting the fullback from Satterfield. You know, little things like that. And I know those are those are great nuggets that we can you know we can feed on and think about for the next six or seven months. But do you think it needs to be scaled back and scaled down, right the ship, and then move forward again? I think it needs to be scaled up, honestly. Okay. Especially in the football department. I mean, tell me why the problem with the football department hasn't been physical. It's been the six inches right here. That's been the problem for the last 20 years. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's it's been upstairs has been the problem. Physically, they look like they can compete with any team in the country. Can they? Eh, Depends on the week, but it's been between the ears. That's been the problem. It's, you know, frost frost, didn't believe he could get over the hump. That's why the team couldn't get over the hump. Physically, they were able to play with every team, and you've seen it. 
But the first sign of adversity, I remember multiple games under Frost where I'd say, this happened, God, man, that's about, that's the game. And that was second quarter. You just didn't feel that the team had any oomph to fight back. That, that's that been part of the problem. So I don't think it's been anything physical. Now, physical changes have been made, which is great. But they had to change the mentality of the program, which I think they did by cleaning all that crap out. Yeah, and, you know, I think I think a huge part of it, the reason I'm so cautiously optimistic, sorry, I'm glancing back and forth between this Bengals game, is it feels like for the first time, everybody in the football department, in the athletic department, at, at least in regards to football, that pyramid, all all is on the same page. Um, top and, down. Yeah, top down. And I've, I've told you guys this story before um, where I was on the phone one time with somebody in, in the athletic department and somebody came walking into their office, cussing them out while they were on the phone, just barged in. And she told them to sit down and shut the F up and wait for their to finish their phone call. I mean, there was just so much friction in that department from that revolving around football that there was no way it could get on track, right? Um, we've heard the stories of this year's Minnesota game where, you know, somehow some some people in the media were able to over overhear the coach's headsets and Riola was cussing out Whipple the entire game. Like, again, not on the same page. So... At least now, if you, it appears to me from the outside looking in, everybody's on the same page. You know, I know there's still a lot of concerns about Raiola as a coach, but here's two things I know. One, a lot of players went to bat for him when they when they were talking with Rule because he had no say in what happened last year. He had no say in the rotation. He had no say in play calling, play design, none of that. That's a problem. Two, it is very apparent that there are going to be multiple people on this staff outside of Raiola focusing on that offensive line at Foley, Satterfield, Rule. Yeah, yeah, like there's going to be three to four guys working with that offensive line every day. So, you know, again, I, I tweeted it out yesterday. No position group, no offensive line in the country has been neglected for as long as that one has. And we expected Raiola to fix it in a, basically eight minutes. He had about eight minutes to walk in and fix that. Nobody was going to fix that. Um, you could have brought Bill Callahan, who's widely regarded as the best offensive line coach of football in, and we still would have looked about as bad as we were if Whipple had complete control like he did. Well, look at it. You had you had Norelli, who was out, unfortunately, you know, and he's he's owned he's owned it. He's apologized, and it was you know his, his own doing. You had uh, Teddy go out with an injury, what three or four games into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had it just there was nothing that was going to go Raiola's way. And, it, you know, he good for him to to just stay the course, though, and just be who he was. And somehow that that worked for him. His his learning, his mentors, his guys that he worked for, Notre Dame, Chicago, stuff like that, are guys that rule respects, guys that he, you know, has either learned from, talked to, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, you it feels like that compliment they complement each other and it's, yeah. and it's, it's going to work. And, um, you know, but Rouse is gone, but I, I love that he's got some pieces like Scott to work with. Um, I think, I think we're going to maybe see some, some guys that we thought we might've seen last year 
up and coming that probably will get a shot, if not maybe step forward, especially if they're changing what they want them to do and, and what they need them to do uh, could be, could be a, a, an interesting, interesting season. I, and I think, what did we see the last, oh gosh, however many weeks, well, the whole half, what, third of the three fourths of the season, but this last year when they started scaling things back a little bit, um, you know, simple, simple as fast. And I don't, not that we're going to just see simplicity this year, but I think we're going to see these coaches put these guys in positions based on the, the calls, the scheme and all those things that are going to allow them to be successful. And if, it, it, you know, it, we're not going to know one way or the other, but I think we're going to see a better product. I, in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, so we've hit on some bad news and tried to spin it positively. A um, couple of good pieces of news that came out this week. Uh, well, one of them's potentially good news. Zach and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on it. I know um, where you're going. But the first one is Fitz, your guy, Jiren Bonner, coming back. Um, guy that everybody on this podcast has been very high on. The guy's built like a ship brick house and looks ready for the pros now. We just got to see him on the field. Um, I know I know you're excited about that, Fitz. Zach, I, I'm sure you are too. It's not um, the name I thought you were going to say, though. I'll tell you that right But now. the second one is Mitch Sherman of The Athletic tweeted out, uh, Xavier Betts, who entered the portal a few weeks ago, doesn't tend to rejoin the team. Um, I'm not 100% sold on this one. I I want you both to sell me as to why I should be. Well, uh, from the last uh, five years, there's been absolutely no adult in the room in the Nebraska football program that's been able to Take any kid, whether that be a good or a bad kid or someone with a troubled pass or no troubled pass, and was able to do absolutely anything with them because they had enough problems of their own to deal with. So by that turn, that's why they all got fired. Now, you've got a coaching staff in place with multiple head coaches on staff or have been previously. Um, and, and, and Foley, you've got Rule, um, I believe. No, Tony White wasn't one. Neither was Satterfield. But You've got a couple head coaches previously on staff now. You can tell what they're trying to do down there is set up an environment that's not only conducive to guys exceeding and succeeding on the field, but off the field as well. So, you know, one of Rule's big things is you're not only going to be a football player, but you're going to be an athlete. Or sorry, a student, a student, a student athlete. So you're going to be a student first, a football player second. I think that's honestly what Xavier Betts needs because that's who we're talking about. And, you know, I got a few messages. That's that's what he needs from people that have coached him previously. He needs a strong, you know, uh, infrastructure around him to keep him on the straight and narrow. But if he gets that, he's good. But the problem is, is he's still hanging around the same people he was with previously. I don't know that. You guys don't know that. But I would have to think that if he's being brought, uh, you know, Matt Rule reached out to him. And I'm sure he did his background check on him and his research and figured out everything about him because Betts was on his way to Pittsburgh when Matt Rule reached out to him. I have a feeling that Rule's done everything he needs to to check into this kid. If he fails at this point, he's going to fail anywhere. But it's not for a lack of trying at this point. I I feel like plenty of guys failed under Frost and company because they had their own problems. I feel like Rule actually knows how to be a CEO of a program and and handle people working for him and under him accordingly. I don't think that and i don't 
I know what I, I've heard. I've, I've had some conversations with, pe with people that are closer to the situation. You're, you're right on with it, Zach, where the infrastructure, and I'm going to I'm going to take that a step further. And that infrastructure is, is really relationships. Um, I don't believe that he had the relationships built with the staff two seasons ago. And then I don't think his personality is such that he meshed when, when Joseph came in, right? Because Joseph came in and he, it was tough love and it was going to be do this, don't do that, result A, result B, and those sorts of things. Because the, the things that what we do from the outside looking in is we look at this player and the moment one thing, you know, starts to trend one way, everything gets behind it. Well, I think his personality probably a lot different. And I think a lot of people are going to pick up on this real quick. If I told you that his personality and what he, who he was and what he liked to do in his off time, in school, stuff like that, was more like a Mon Green than it was somebody else, gaming, right? Videos, you know, stuff like that. I think, I think he's been misrepresented a little bit. And I think that's just, and it may come across. And I think this was going on though early too, is that this idea that he didn't care about football. Well, you know, it could be, it could be maturity. Um, we're in the, we're in the, the space, uh, you know, 2023, you know, for the last however many years, especially with, with, with coming out of COVID and the, and the pandemic and all that stuff, mental health is a big part and it's, it's hard to know for sure. And if somebody's not open and willing to talk about that, you know, they, you know, you, you, you struggle enough in something and you find success and, you know, who knows, we know that academics weren't going to be easy. That could have taken the focus and it could have been the wrong word. It could have been somebody, a coach triggered him, a, a, a TA triggered him, a, 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 you know, whatever it is, a, a G, you know, so those sorts of things. So I'm, I'm for giving him a chance. Um, I know that Frost, said that, you know, we, we laid this out and, you know, if somebody wants to come back and they're going to meet all these things, these benchmarks and the measurables, whatever, that's why I just think if, if rule has laid it out and he's talked with family, which I guarantee he has, he's talked with, um, whether it was former teachers, former coach at Bellevue West and anybody, you know, people on staff at Nebraska that, that knew him, other players, and he wants to come in and he commits to them. That's all they can ask for. I'm going to commit to you. You commit to me, but understand that there's also 84 other players. And we don't know if he's going to get a scholarship. We don't know what that's going to be. He may have to earn it back. Could graduate um, him too. But yeah, and they, they could. I just, I just, I don't want to give, I guess I don't want to give up on him because honestly, I just don't know the reasons why he left. I know there were rumors about that he got himself into trouble as well. Don't know that. I don't, maybe that is true. I don't know. I just, you know, all these things I want to, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt until I have other reasons. And we, we did that for a while. Frost got a huge leash just because of who he was. Um, I just think it's and the adults in the room. All of us with it. Yeah. And, but it's the adults in the room right now. So I don't know if that, if that convinces you at all, Drake, I, I think he's talented. Um, I know. Yeah, that, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, here, here's my stance on it. And I, I don't know that I've necessarily uh, been, I haven't articulated it very well. 
I'm not a, I'm not I'm not against Xavier Betts coming back. I I think Xavier Betts coming back does a couple of different things. One, he's clearly had problems at Nebraska, and if you bring him back and turn him into a success story, not only can you use that for recruiting, but you can use that for other guys within the program, right? But what I'm potentially afraid of is just another Maurice Washington thing under Frost where you know we we busted our ass to get him in here and they did the same with Xavier Betts and then everything just kept getting worse from an attitude standpoint to the point where Maurice Washington ran into his legal troubles and you know there's there was a lot of chatter around the program at that time that people were not happy with how Maurice Washington was treated by the staff again totally different staff I'm not I'm not ignoring that that it's a totally different staff but I don't know if we can go, and this isn't a fair comparison because Xavier hasn't had the opportunity to put up any numbers like this, but I don't think in today's day and age you can go with the Tom Osborne, Lawrence Phillips route where you keep giving that guy multiple chances over and over when there's so many other talented guys in the room. That That is my only fear. Uh, if Xavier comes back and is a success story, great. Super happy for the kid. He's somebody that you guys have heard me say over and over. That guy's a gamer. He needs to be on the field. I don't care if he practices like shit. But if there's other problems, then it does make a little bit more sense why he wasn't seeing the field when he should have been. Well, I guarantee he's – I know it's a strong word. I have a. I feel, and I, I think you guys would agree, that he's definitely going to have to earn it. He's going to yeah. have to earn everything that he gets. He's going to have to earn – he might start on the practice squad. Right. You might, like Zach said, he might redshirt. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't even, we don't know what kind of shape he's in. We don't know if he's, you know, what he's going to have to do. Um, but again, if, if, if those are the things and he gets in football shape, he's registered and he shows up and he's going, whatever it is, and he's doing his part, then now we, we look at the football aspect of it. That gives us, you know, because I, I think, wide receiver room is somewhere where they still need to add a few, a, a few pieces. Um, but you give that guy that on the outside, you got Marcus Washington, who I think could, could be a, a big, big player on the, in the wide receiver room this year. Um, Bobby, uh, help me out here. I'm drawing a blank. Um, new recruit, Bobby, the fourth. What is it? What is it? What's his Bobby name? From, no, no, no. Jalen Lloyd? No, the new. Are you talking about Billy Kemp? Billy, yeah, sorry, Bobby. Billy Kemp, that's where, yes, sorry. I knew I drew a blank and I I just went with Bobby Um, Boucher. But you you put these guys, I still think we need to add to that room. But, I mean, heck, if you can, if you get Xavier Betts and and he's ready to go and and he's committed and going to play, um, that's, that's a piece that you did not anticipate. And it's, it's almost like a freebie. Yeah, he's – I mean, he's like you said, he's an extremely talented kid. I mean, what he got in possession – or what he got in trouble for because it was on the news was possession. I think okay. there's a big, big difference between possession and I believe Maurice was charged with a felony at one point. It was a felony that got dropped down, correct? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, California he got, he got charged with several yeah. things. I mean, one of them was revenge porn, which. But but that's what I'm saying is we can't really yeah. compare the the Lawrence and e- even Maurice to, to Betts because one's a misdemeanor. What Both other ones are felonies at that. But then again, if he got caught with. But lead, Maurice's second charge was a felony. What do you mean? Not his first one. He he got in trouble more than once. Is what, what I'm, I'm saying, saying. is he, he still got hit with a felony. This is yeah. the one time that we know about Betts. So we, yeah. we can't say that Betts right. got in trouble multiple times. So he got kicked off a team by a guy that couldn't run his own team in, in Frost. He couldn't keep his organization straight. So I don't really hold what he said or did to a super high regard anymore. Um, I think if a guy like Rule is willing to take a chance on him, even though he's got a uh, a 15 year old wide receiver coach. Um, I feel like that, that <laughs> if, if everyone's willing to trust Xavier Betts to come I back into the organization, I think the best way to do it is not to redshirt, but make him gray shirt, make him pay his own way. Yeah. If he can pay his own way and work his way to a scholarship, hey, he earned it. And you know what? A lot of people threw that way, that kid away as soon as they said he was off the team. A ton of people did. You know what? Sometimes people just need a, a people just aren't going to mesh. Yeah, so sometimes you need a new face with there. stepping away from the game for a year. Like that's that's not at all where where my issues lie. Do I want to know why he stepped away? I don't personally care. I hope that that that's between Matt Rule, Joey McGuire, or uh, yeah, McGuire, and then Betts. I hope <laughs> those guys are all on the same page on exactly why he stepped away from the game and that everything's been put on the table. If that is, and they're good with it, hey, bring him in, and hopefully he can work his way back to what he was and better. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we add we add him. Let's say okay, let's say he comes back in. He's in that wide receiver room. Uh, Billy Kemp. Um, you've got Marcus Washington. Does Malachi Coleman stay as a wide receiver? And if so, how does that impact that room? With you add now looking at some of these guys, and then guys that are already you know you've got you know Jerry on Bonner, uh, Jerry on Bonner. So excuse me, you've got. Um, you know, it's it's hard to I I, I almost need to go back Alante. and review everything. Alon, you Alante know, but, Brown. Yeah. So look, so I'm going to jump right into Malachi. I'm sorry. Um, I think Malachi is going to make one heck of a wide receiver, but I think he. I honestly feel like after watching some of his high school game tape, I think he'd make one hell of a defensive end in two years. Um, you know, potentially Chase Young esque if he puts on the weight. Or, you know, you could bulk him up and move him to tight end. He could be a, a crazy tight end um, mismatch. I I don't know that wide receiver is where he stays. I know it's where he wants to be. But I would really love to see him on the defensive side of the ball. I think he has some special skills um, with elite quickness on that side of the ball. <clears throat> I'm just glad because I think four or five years ago, there's a good chance that he maybe moves to center. So I think we're in a better posi- I think we're in a better position now. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. With Betts coming back, are they going to bulk him up and move him to tackle? That's that's what the previous staff would do. But you know, I I, I don't know. I think Coleman does stay at wide receiver. I it, I would honestly like to see him as an outside linebacker, um, not not on the ground or or you know in a three point, but up in a two point stance, just because I feel like he is a freakish athlete. I think he's going to stick in that wide receiver room, though. I mean, I, if you look at a guy that's six foot five, runs a four three seven, the one thing that you could say at the, at the Under Armour All Star game that he had a little bit of trouble with was the physicality of a press corner. 
but what what high school receiver doesn't have that that's played in Omaha, Nebraska for the most part? Right. I mean, I, I think he's got the tools there, but honestly, I don't want to see him as freshman year. If I see him in more than four games, oof, I don't know how I feel about that. Physically, I just don't think he's physically he looks like Adonis, but I just think he can put on about twenty to thirty, I would say twenty pounds, be a little bit more physical, physically ready to play in the Big Ten next year. That's 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 how I would handle his situation. Plus, he's a raw athlete still. Yeah, I mean, if I see him in more than four games, those more than four games better be on special teams, the majority of it, right? Now, who knows? Maybe he comes in and he's the best run-blocking wide receiver we have, right? Like, if there's things that he has to do in this offense that he is far superior than everybody else, then – it better be Get damn obvious. <laughs> it better be obvious, though, right? What, like, if what if he's a generational talent, though, and you just can't keep him off the field? Julio Jones at Alabama when he when he, he was the player, he was the five star that changed the course of Alabama when he when he committed. Um, you know, he uh, again different position, but Tebow in Flor at Florida. You know, Tommy Frazier at Nebraska. What if he's that guy that? You, you have him out there, and you find ways to, to get him involved. He's a threat, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm just – I'm excited to see what, what happens with him. Am I willing to be patient? Of course. Do I want him to be successful? You're damn right. Uh, and it just has to happen, you know. I don't want to force it and then yeah. get him out of a situa- – into a situation where his body's not ready. But I'm telling you what, there are – you know, we, we go round and round every single season. You know, you look at other programs like – excuse me, why, how can those guys get on the field there and we're holding our guys back, whatever it is. So I don't know if he's, if he's, his feet are that good and his legs carry him like we saw him sprinting and high pointing balls and stuff like that. You just find ways to, to get him to get him in there. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad he, I'm glad he, he was, he got, he committed here for sure. I think our, our change in the strength and conditioning and the nutrition departments is going to elevate kids at a much faster rate than the previous staff. I think if Malachi gets in here early in the summer, um, there is a much better chance of him being physically ready to play in the big 10 than somebody on under the previous staff would have been after a whole year. Um, you know, we talked, if the new strength and conditioning coach can get our guys to look like him, um, we're in good shape. <laughs> we're in damn good shape. Um, I mean, I, I brought it up with I brought it up with Teddy Prohaska in year one. I, you know, he's without a doubt at that time the best lineman on the team. I think part of the reason he got hurt was because he still wasn't physically ready. I mean, skill wise, footwork, hands, all of that was great, but he wasn't strong enough, and I think that's what led to his injury. And because again, this year, best guy on the, on the roster at, in the offensive line was forced to come back from the, from the injury sooner and caused another injury. Um, now I think Zach and I talked about this a lot. All of our linemen were built the exact same way. I think this year you see that, that differently. Um, and I never, I never, you know, quantified it like this, but the reason why I am so against all of our offensive linemen being cross-trained at every position is Teddy goes down to left tackle, right? 
what are you doing last year? You're moving your right, starting right tackle to your left tackle. So now you are looking at your second best left tackle and your second best right tackle because they were all cross-trained or your second best guard and your second best tackle. Why wouldn't we just take one step back to our second best at that next position? And you don't have that problem if they're not all cross-trained. Now, obviously there's extenuating circumstances here and there, but it drove me crazy for the last four plus years. Every time somebody got hurt, somebody from the other side of the line is moving over. So you are, you are literally hand, hand, handcuffing two positions at once because of one injury. That can't continue to be the case. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, just getting some flexibility back in your athletes. They've been so stiff the last few years that uh, we've heard it multiple times that these guys had the athleticism coached out of them. Yeah. I mean, it, that just is what it is at this point. It's it's something that the strength and conditioning is one of the most vital parts of the program, but it takes the longest to see the results of. So we, we may have, not see it this year, but we may see it in the next couple. So we, we talked about Xavier Betts being – kind of a surprise, right? And if he if he rejoins the team, it's, it's a benefit. We have uh, Teddy coming back off of injury again. And if he's healthy and ready to go and gets the green light and they, you know, put him out there and he's, that's a, another bonus. Norelli coming back, that's another bonus. What does it do? And it's sight unseen, obviously. But what does it do then with like a Thomas Fedone coming back as well? Is that is that just a bonus? You're still recruiting, you're still adding pieces. Knowing he's there, we just don't know the potential of that. He's fought his way back. He looks, you know, he's doing some things. Where do you, where do you, where does he fit in? Is that something that is almost kind of, you know, playing with house money in that situation? Yeah, I mean, you just kind of hope to get him back at 100% because of the kind of athlete that he is. Um, you know, he's he is kind of a freakish athlete that we've seen in Council Bluffs, and honestly. You know, Nebraska is is still bringing in transfer guys like the Georgia tight end, Brett Seether, mm-hmm. who who yeah. came in for a visit this weekend, and he's crystal balled to Nebraska as of right now. So And their and they're outside linebacker, Edge Rusher. I am excited about that guy. If he if he decides to join, he is he's I think you that's potential starting material right there. Yeah, so I the, mean Georgia Insider said he could start at any SEC program in the country other than Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> any SEC team and just about anywhere else in the country. I'm I'm excited about him. Let me let me flip one last question on to you guys. I was asked this the other day. Jeff Sims, three year starter at Georgia Tech. Casey Thompson coming back. Are you guys at all surprised that Jeff Sims committed to Nebraska? And who's your QB one day one? You go first, Fitz. I think it's Sims. I think it's Sims because there's enough material out there that supports it. Video, conversations, articles, history, on and on and on, that Satterfield rule, they want, and I'm not saying Casey Thompson can't be that guy, but they want that element of a running quarterback. Satterfield's the one that talked about it a little bit more in depth that you've got to have that threat sometimes. And it's, he didn't use it, but it kind of came, and maybe he did. I apologize if I'm misquoting him. But the idea that he talked about when the game's maybe not going well or quarterback struggling or the run game struggling, you throw that element of a run game in there, of the quarterback running, and now you're making that defender account, the defense account for them. 
it, it's kind of like, and I'll go to, I'll go to Drake's strength here. You know, think about basketball. You're struggling. Can I get to the hoop? Right. Maybe I just need to get to the free throw line. Maybe I just need this layup, this quick little bunny and, and then go. And I think that's what the run game can do. I think that offense is probably more going to be tailor made to someone that has Jeff Sims skill set versus the Casey Thompson. Yeah, I'm going to go Sims as well, um, just because of health right now. You know, Sims <laughs> has been nicked up previously uh, at Georgia Tech a couple of times, but I think health alone, um, you know, Casey Thompson having the shoulder surgery, not knowing when he's going to be cleared for contact, out from Rosa Spring, I, I think it's going to be a very live battle. Um, because here's the thing, Casey Thompson can still study the playbook. Casey Thompson can do, still do everything mentally. Now, mental and physical are two different things. But Casey Thompson, when he is cleared, is not just going to give that job to Jeff Sims. If Jeff Sims is that starting quarterback, he is going to work his ass off to have won it. Yeah, I, I'm i leaning Casey at this point. Um, and the For, only, only I'm like reason, 51 49 at this point. So. Yeah, it, it's very on, close. Oh, okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm leaning Casey just because it was very obvious right when Rule took the job that they wanted him back. Um, they made that a point of emphasis. Jeff Sims is still going to have an extra year of eligibility after Casey. Um, but, you know, I also wouldn't rule out the option that we would go with the two-quarterback system this year. Um, I mean, I, then, I, then you've got the legs of Sims plus the, the ability to throw the ball because he's got a cannon. But then yeah. you've got Casey who's a little bit more accurate with his and, and his technique a lot more refined at this point. Yep. And and Satterfield said it the other day too. He said, you know, um, I've been talking with Jeff. We pinpointed a couple things in his mechanics that are going to change his life. He's just got to nail those down. And so I think they brought Sims in really as a developmental piece um, because they don't have enough film on Smothers or Harburg or even Purdy at this point, um, I I think I think it's Casey year one, um, but I I definitely think we still see Sims. Yeah, I, you know, and like I said, I'm like fifty one forty nine at this point because Casey Thompson's proved everyone wrong every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I want to bring up, so MJ Sherman, the Georgia linebacker that we were talking about a little bit ago, there's one quote from himself that I want to read to you guys that tells me kind of what kind of player that they're getting says, so what does it matter for me to throw my hands up and complain and kick rocks on the ground instead of appreciating where I'm at and understanding how to, how to learn from the guys that are in front of me and better than me right now. I mean, he, that's what, that's what you want. Yeah. And he also, he also said there are guys that are better than him that are out there. He needed to, he needed to get there. Um, he was honest. He, he made an assessment. Um, but I think when at some point in time, when, and it was in that same article where coach Kirby smart essentially said, he's so valuable on special teams, right? He's earned his way there. You know, he, he does what he can or does what he, he needs to do. And he, we, we trust him out there, but that's not what he wants. Right. And so just think about, we get, we get, and I say we collectively as, as Husker fans and not all of us, but, you know, been out of shape when a. Um, Houseman goes to Michigan. Well, he goes to Michigan. Then we had another player decommit and go to Michigan. Well, Michigan's had some linebackers leave. We don't know where they're at in the program. We just see all this movement. And so we, 
we piss and moan, but now there's a potential that we're getting somebody who was a part of a legitimate part of a national championship two times team. And we're going to embrace that and say, yeah, come in. We just, you know, it's just that, this, that idea. So, but if we can, if we can lose one, gain one, you know, call it, call it even. Hey, the then, portal giveth and the portal taketh. Yeah. Damn right, boys. Well, one more thing. Um, and then we'll we'll let you guys get going for the evening. Uh, so did you guys see, and I, I'd like to tackle this maybe a little bit more on, on the next show, but the uh, Florida debacle with NIL? The 13, uh, remind thir- me. So there's yeah, the, a thir- the $13 million NIL debacle with uh, a quarterback? Oh, that one player. Yes, the one player who didn't get paid. Well, there's a lot going on with it. So okay. maybe we should uh, – let's wait till Wednesday on that one. We'll discuss it on Wednesday because there's a lot that's going in, going in, into it. It's yeah, send me chaos. some literature. Send me some literature. <laughs> I, it's, called I can Google, it's called Google, Drake. Just type in Florida, 13 mil, and I – I want to read the same thing he is reading. Yeah, so was, we can have the same – so we're comparing apples to apples. Okay, yeah, so go, if you want to read the same thing Zach is – Go to Netscape.com. Zach is searching on Netscape. You'll get the exact same thing <laughs> he is. No, I don't have your hey, computer, Fitz. Netscape has, doesn't has exist Colorado anymore. got Dion's money yet? Colorado will never have Dion's money. Has I Iowa got their NFL NIL collective going in the swarm? I don't know. I don't know how we're going to get it, but I'm confident we're going to have it. That's the That's my favorite quote from an athletic director in about 20 years. Well, think of, okay, let me stick on this real quick. Colorado, um, they added a game, right? So now the schedule changed a little bit for them in terms they tried of when to. it did not, did that not go through? Nope. Okay. Got, uh, I didn't declined. see the end result, I guess. Yep. It got declined, I, I think, shortly after or within a couple of days of them trying to bring it on. Interesting. They were going to use all the proceeds from that game to pay Dion. Actually, that might be true at this point. I think he's there for two years and then gone anyway. So, yeah, whether it's failure or success, I don't see him hanging out there for more than two years. Hey, he doesn't seem like somebody that loves Colorado. I can't. No, I mean it's it's really nice being up there, but I can't imagine being around that program. It's real nice. Yeah. So, uh, boys, one blowout before he gets hit with a pee bottle. Oh, yeah, that's a possibility. Urine battery. Bombs, urine bombs in Boulder. Yep. Boys, I think that's all we got for the night. So thanks for joining me. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday is when we'll be doing the next one. So get your questions in. Let us know you, what you want to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit more national stuff. We'll still talk Nebraska. Pretty much whatever's going on big uh, in college football. So uh, for Fitz, Drake, myself. Thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. Have a great rest of your night. Go watch some uh, Ravens and Cincinnati football. All right. Later, boys. All right. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.